2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young. I know we have been talking a lot about this new digital presentation of the gospel that has been put out by Love Reality. And I have just been so blessed and encouraged to see what God has been doing with this thing. Um, it's wave one from Love Reality. Uh, all, you know, wave one from Love Reality is 10 sermons, um, but they have been put into 10 short, short videos. Um, and then there's, I can't really describe this thing, but it's awesome. And it's uh, so many people are being blessed by it. And I want to give you the chance to, um, we're not, we're not, it's behind a password wall right now, but if anyone would like it, um, direct message me, talk to me, hit me up. I will give you the password. I'll give you the link. Um, because I want as many people, we're, we're trying to get this word of mouth thing going. We want people to see it. We want people to hear it. We want people to be blessed by it. And so I've been talking about that. I've been really hyped about that. And I just wanted to start off the show and say that you have the opportunity to uh, to share this with others and to be blessed by it. Um, so hit me up, direct message me, um, holler at me. Today's podcast guest is one of my best friends. Um, her name is, we call her Auntie Alyssa. She's married to Uncle Johnny. Uh, my kids, uh, they call her Auntie Alyssa because she is my sister. And her testimony uh, is powerful because of, because of when you're living in the freedom, you can look back and see how heavy the chains were. And as she describes what death was, I, I know it's going to resonate with people. I know the that you know Ben Franklin said that comparison is the thief of joy and this is this was her life and uh the freedom that she's living in now 
um, to hear that story was a was a huge blessing to me, and I know that you're going to be blessed to hear it. So, um, just another another testimony of God's love for us. Um, I'm just excited that you get to be blessed by this. So that all being said, uh, buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Here's the podcast. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Actually, there is a moment that um, it was Christmas, probably like five years ago, maybe. Christopher and Carrie were living in Minnesota. And Uh I remember driving to my aunt's house and we were riding in their car. And I remember saying something about like, it's crazy when you actually get salvation and like, you know, you have it and it feels so good. And I was like, I remember just feeling like so, so great. And my sister-in-law said, yeah, I know. Isn't it awesome? And it kind of deflated me a little like what I just got this and like, they already have it. Like, I feel like this is a new crazy thing. (laughs) Like to, to feel like I was gonna, when I die, like, I know I'm good. And I felt like it was like a fleeting thing or something that it was so new. And that was only like five years ago. And I don't know what in my heart or in my mind like sealed that for me. I don't remember. But I just remember the moment being like, hey, this is crazy when you actually like get it and you're assured. And Carrie being like, yeah, isn't it so great? And I'm like, oh, other people have that? <laughs> yeah. So the what was the thing that that deflated you <laughs> i and it's actually happened like since we've been talking this weekend how i'm talking about kind of the click and how that click mentality of like you're in hmm. and feeling like that specialness of like i have something that maybe someone else doesn't it doesn't have and i don't know like i don't know i just like you wanted to, I wanted to feel special. Like I have something. And I think that's something that I've struggled with my whole life. Kind of like the competitiveness that we're going to get, we're going to talk about. Oh, it is a deep, deep root for me, like competing and every, like I want to be special. And so I want to be the best or I want to like be high ranking so that I'm special. So like having this thing that someone else doesn't have, like I know I have the assurance of salvation. Like I know that I have this is so great. And like 
I want other people to have it, but I want to be like in it first to, you know, like. So when she said that, that was the competitiveness that you're like, oh, I didn't get it first, or I don't have understanding that somebody else doesn't have. Or it's not that special because she, like, other people already know and have it. I'm like, oh, it's not as, it's not as special as I thought it was, or it's not as rare as I thought it was. Maybe it's a better word. Okay, so I want to talk about that, but first I want to say, when I ask you, what was it like before that? I don't know. I think like striving like i hope i'm good i hope that when i die like it was enough and if it's not shoot like in fact i've had like this ongoing kind of like a flippant comment that like people who are atheist or agnostic i feel like you know as a christian i've kind of made this comment of if I'm wrong, I haven't lost everything or anything. But if you're wrong, you're losing like heaven. So I feel like I have the safer mm-hmm. belief. Like if I'm wrong and I die, oh, well, it's your nothing right, yeah. is going to happen. But if you don't believe and you die, then you're going to lose out on a lot. So like better to believe and hope you get in. Hmm. Hope you're good enough. And I feel like I've lived pretty good, but I know God knows my heart and it's not great. And so that's where I was like, I would always be really anxious and really nervous when anyone talks about end time stuff. Um, I saw like a, I went to my friend's church and saw like a crazy, scary movie about end times and these kids going to jail and like getting killed. And I'm just like, I don't think my faith is strong enough to stick through all that. That looks really scary. And I don't know if I can make it. So I've always like mentally wanted to cop out early. Like, God, you know, if I can't make it through that, just like kill me early. I don't even, I don't even care if I'm not alive when you come back. Like (laughs) I just want to make it. And if I'm not going to make it through that, like take my life early. It's okay. Cause I was so scared. So how did that manifest in just day to day living? Cause a little background on you uh, and us. We've been friends. We've been close friends for almost six years. Is Al- it? Yeah. yeah, it's almost six years. Okay. Um, but obviously, before that, I was friends with your brother. Yeah. Um, pretty acquaintances with you guys, friends of your family. But then we became tight six years ago. Mm-hmm. And everybody's been on this crazy... Everyone's just been on a journey mm-hmm. um, with our... Our families have been on a journey, our immediate family, our larger family. Um, and But from what I know about you from high school and college, I feel like I know your story just about as good as anybody. Um, but how did this thinking manifest in you living your life as you were coming up through high school and in college when you made mistakes? Because, yeah, that that's... Because your story is crazy and it's interesting, just like you and Johnny's story. There's a lot of ups and downs and yeah. weirdness and that whole thing. Not weirdness, just straight love. But <laughs> and this is my long way of asking you, like, how did that way of thinking manifest in your life? I, um, I kind of had like a rebellious spirit in me, but I never wanted to rebel too hard because of that fear of like, I don't want to stray too far in case I die. I don't want to be, you know, out. So 
but I do want to like push the limits and push the boundaries and like, yeah. So I would have a rebellious spirit in that like I'd sneak, I'd be sneaky with my parents or like when I was living with my aunt or whatever, I'd kind of like, kind of act like a bad girl. Like I, um, my freshman and sophomore year, I was like a goody goody. I, my freshman and sophomore year, I had my crew of girls. Um, Johnny and I got together at the the end of my freshman year and, um, this is high school, high school. Yep. And he went off to college right after that. And so I just like hung out with my girlfriends and got good grades. And it was in like the choirs and the basketball team and like drama and all the things just like kept busy, not really challenging anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my junior year, middle of my sophomore year, my parents moved. And so they let me live with me and my sister got to live with my aunt to finish out the school year. Mm -hmm. That summer we worked at camp and that's when Johnny and I kind of started. That's when we went on our first, we were on a break (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I worked at camp and there was this other guy that I was kind of flirting with and I was interested in. And I was like, "Eh, maybe you want to try something else. And we went on a break and I was like, no, 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 I miss you. I like you. I want to get back with you. And so, um, the next year I went to Indiana Academy closer to where my parents lived and, um, really struggled because all my friends at Maplewood, my freshman and sophomore year were kids that I went to camp meeting with or went to grade school with, like Mm -hmm. they'd been friends with me since I was a kid. And then I go to this new school where nobody knows me, Mm -hmm. nobody knows the things I'm good at. And I got to show them and it made like the new girl, oh, she can play basketball. Mm -hmm. Oh, she actually can sing really well. Mm -hmm. Like this is, and I loved like, hey, I'm not just like living in this small fish tank in Minnesota. Like I have these things to offer here too. Um, Did that fill your tank? Because from what you're saying, we should talk about this. Is competitiveness a personality trait? I don't know. That seems like a deep question. <laughs> because is competi- is because it- I think people say, oh, I'm competitive as a part of their personality trait. I and- think it definitely affects your personality. I think that, I don't know. I feel like you can be, like I can be a sweet person and not like outwardly, arrogantly cocky and competitive in the things that I do. But mentally, I'm like, I need to work harder. This person is good. I need to get better than them. Or like people think highly of this person. I'm not going to bring them down, but I need to build myself up. So they stop looking at them and look at me. So was the root of your competitiveness that you weren't enough? And if you compete and you prove that means that you are enough? Yeah. I've So Lauren, who was on the podcast, she and I are just under two years apart. And everyone's always thought we were twins. And I first time I ever saw you girls, I didn't know who was older. <laughs> I thought, oh, there's the blondie twins from Maplewood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And because of that, she had this resist she hated that, that we looked alike, that people would get us confused because anything she did, she's my big sister. I looked up to her and I was like, that's cool. People like that. I want to do what she's doing. I mm. want to look like her. I want to like this is a good role model. I'm going to copy that. And she was like 
quit copying me. <laughs> like, be your own person. Stop following me. Quit copying me. And a, a few things that, like, we are so different now as we've become adults. I'm like, I can't even try to copy the things that you do because she's so creative and artistic. And I can't even, like, I can't mimic that because that's not me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some things that I did and I would come behind her and do them equally well or sometimes better. Mm-hmm. And that was not good for our relationship. She hated me more. Mm-hmm. So we would fight and she would say really hurtful things to me. And so I would say really hurtful things to her. And so our relationship was terrible. Um, we hated each other until uh, my parents moved that that year, the middle of my sophomore year. And it was just her and I in my aunt's house. And there was one night the lights were off. We were sharing a room because we shared a room our whole lives until she went to college. And um, I was like, Lauren, <laughs> she's like, yeah. And I couldn't say I love you. Mm. And I was just quiet for a while. And she's like, I know. And Aww. I was like, okay. And then she went to college the next year and came home for a break. And we just were in Diane's bathroom again. We were at my aunt's house and we just cried and we were like, I love you. And it was like this beautiful bathroom redemptive (laughs) relationship (laughs) healing moment. But, um, so all of that to say, I was always measuring myself against Lauren and she would always try to knock me down a peg because she hated it. And so I would take people's comments about me super personally. So like physical comments, I would like harbor away and like anything that anyone would say would say about me, good or bad, like I would just think about them all the time. Like I would replay them in my head all the time. Like, oh, they said I did that really well. Or they said, I remember one time my mom was right next to me and it was in camp meeting and someone walked up to me and we were talking and my mom was kind of in the background and the girl said, man, you're way nicer than your sister. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that made me feel good. I'm the nice one. And my mom, after we walked away, she's like, you should not let people talk about your sister that way. Or you should not like allow people to say that about you. And I was like, but I'm nice. Like I try to be nice. <laughs> They're like, okay, cool, mom. I'm the nice one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, of course, of course, my sister's so sweet. No, but it was just, um, I just loved those comments. But then also if people would say something bad about me, it affected my whole life. Like when I was young, people would comment. We were just talking about this yesterday. They would comment and talk about how skinny I was Mm -hmm. and I hated it. I didn't wear, they would talk, especially my legs. (laughs) They would say, you have chicken legs or you have such skinny legs. Mm -hmm. And I didn't wear shorts because I was so self-conscious of my legs. I didn't wear shorts until like college or after we got married. You didn't wear shorts. I worked at summer camp and I did not wear shorts. Wearing cargo pants. Yeah, ugly pants. In fact, some the guy that I liked that summer was like, why is Alyssa always wearing those weird pants? <laughs> I was like, because my legs are so ugly. Like, I've always hated my legs because people would comment on them. What do you think? And because I know a little bit later on in your story, the comparison thing. Why was it your go-to? Why was it, or do you know why it was like always comparing yourself to either Lauren or I don't know if you looked at magazines or anything like that. Do you know why it was just so easy or that that was the tailor-made lie that kept you in your thing? I don't know why, but I can see how going back to 
Lauren and I being so close in age and people comparing us since we were little. Like, oh, you guys are like, everyone thought we were twins. But then when we started doing things and the comparison was like, like she was always a couple years older. So boys started being interested in her first. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I want, I want boys to like me, but all the boys like my sister because she's older and she's prettier and whatever. Um, so I don't know if it's from having a sister that we were so similar hmm. growing up that I wanted to be her but better. Hmm. Because being her, I mean, people already like her, but if I could be her but a little better, then I could have like the one up. Which then went on to destroy me as an adult because I love people and I don't want people to feel badly, but I also want to be better than people. And so I was chronically unhappy because if someone was better than me, I'd feel terrible about myself. But if I was better than them, I'd feel bad for them. Like, I hate that I'm... Yeah, give me an example of that. That sounds really, really awful. <laughs> and like, I want to talk about it for a second. Oy. Give me an example of... Uh, you don't have to say anyone's name or anything, but just on both sides of it. Um. Yeah. So like singing, I have <laughs> like God gave me a voice to sing in one way and I can't really like veer off from that. I'm not like creative in that I can like hear someone and mimic it. Okay. But and so I'd hear someone's voice that I'm like, that's so good. And I couldn't replicate it. And it was so much better than my skill level that I was just like. I would feel so bad about myself. Like, I don't even want to sing if, like, there's so many more people that are better than me. So I don't want to do it, which then, like, I feel bad about myself. Then, like, fitness things. If I was doing some type of, like, if I was, I have friends that are really overweight and they, they, don't work out because it's painful and it hurts. And, like, they'll make a comment about, my weight or my ability to do something. And then I would feel bad because I was like, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable around me because of this thing. But I don't know, you know, that saying like you think of yourself way more than other people think about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I thought about myself a lot. And I don't think my friends were thinking anything about this or if they did, it was fleeting. I don't know. But um, I didn't like making people feel uncomfortable. We went on, and this was even after like I had a revelation of the completed work. Um, we went on a sister's trip and I didn't want to make my sisters uncomfortable by me wanting to work out because I know they don't enjoy it and they mm -hmm. didn't want to. And so one morning I went running before they all woke up. <laughs> I ran around um, this, the outs like this little town outside of Boston that we were in. And I got it was a beautiful morning. I got up to the top of this hill and saw the sunrise and the mist over the city. Mm -hmm. And I got lost and I couldn't find my way back to oh, our Airbnb. It? And so and it was really early in the morning. And so finally I texted Katie and I was like, uh, can you drop a pin and like send me your location? <laughs> oh, mercy. And she's like, where are you? And so I went back and they're like, why didn't you tell us? Like, we would have liked to go. And I'm like, just in my head, I'm thinking, People don't like, like, they don't like it as much as me. And I don't want them to feel like, no, I don't want to go. If other people are going running, I have to go running. I don't like running. I don't like working out. Right. I don't know. I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable. But also, it was like this 
because I like fitness or I like being healthy, quote unquote, and that's not a priority for them. And then that made me feel like, I don't know, I would feel bad about myself. And so I thought they would feel bad about themselves. Mercy. So that's, um, I guess, at the at the end of the day. It, it was a lose-lose, and I was very unhappy. It, because it's self-centeredness. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Because <laughs> you're just navel-gazing. You're looking at yourself. I've never heard that term before. Navel-gazing? But it's very funny. Yeah, it's, it's just this, <laughs> you're just looking at yourself just like, how, what am I, you know, and it, there, it's not it. Like, no. And it, yeah, lose, lose every time. Um, around the time that you and we were FaceTiming you and you're like, Hey, yo, have you heard like, wait, 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 don't step on that. We're going to around that time. Uh Like I was just so discontent, uncontent, discontent. Sure. I was not content (laughs) because I compared myself in every aspect of my life. And it was either I'm more than, and so someone else is less than, and that makes me feel bad or I'm less than, and they're better. And I would feel bad about myself. And so like social media, I would go on and we moved into this house that we're like slowly renovating. I'd see all these beautiful homes or like DIY. Uh And I'd be like, ah, I'm just like not as good at that. And then I would see like moms interacting with their kids. And I'm like, I am not a good mom. Like I don't do those things with my kids. And so I was really discontent with how I would parent, how I would run my household, um, my marriage, like sex life, appearances, fitness, everything, everything was comparing. And it was exhausting and I couldn't remember the last time like I laughed in my home, like at work, I can like interact Mm -hmm. with coworkers and joke and like, but just being in my home and where, you know, you let your guard down and you're kind of the real you. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't remember joking with my kids. I can't remember having fun with them. I can't remember like just being carefree and happy. I was so heavy. Did you know this like front? of your brain I'm comparing I'm comparing everything. Yeah. Oh, you knew this. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't make it stop. That's just how my brain would I would look in a room. In fact, oh, I want to jump to that part of the story. <laughs> there was a time where my sister and I went to like a women's um like every month this big church. Well, you just keep telling the story. Go for I'm listening. Okay, so okay. Tell it how you want to tell. So, it. there was a like Uh, the next town over had a bigger church and they like once a month on Saturdays, they would have like mugs and muffins, they called it. And so a bunch of women would come and have breakfast and like fellowship together. And then they'd have a speaker or presenter or something. And so we had gone to one of those and I would walk into a room full of women and basically size up the crowd. Like how do I measure up in this crowd? Hmm. And if men were present, not at this event, obviously, but like if I would walk into a room with men, I'm happy in my marriage, but I want them to want me. Like, I don't want to be wanted just by my husband. Like, mm. I want to be like something that other people want too. even though like 
I would never leave Johnny for them, but I want to be wanted. Did it affect how you decided what you would wear or how you would carry yourself? Uh, probably. Yeah, I would say so. Not like I wouldn't dress provocatively like how I, I wouldn't want them to desire me because I'm dressing skanky, but I would think like, as I'm getting ready, is this person going to notice being a woman or man, not Mm -hmm. that they would want me, um, but just like if they'll notice or if they'll compliment me or if like people have complimented (laughs) even now, like my brain, I just thought of this yesterday, remembered a time in college, the only time I wore a short skirt and it wasn't like short, short, but it was like to the knee that my hated legs were exposed and I walked into church and the RA from, I went to Andrews university, the RA from my hall walked up to me and she she said, you are a vision. And I was like, dang, that is a real nice compliment. (laughs) Come and live off of that for about three months. (laughs) God bless you. That was a good one. And I still remember it to this day. Like I was so self-conscious walking in because of that. And she just said that. And I just like, stood up an inch taller, like feeling confident and whatever. So getting like, especially getting ready for church, which I think is so nursing. I hate it. And I've like really enjoyed staying home in quarantine, not going to church because I didn't have to get up and get ready, get my kids ready. Like all this to do of like dressing up to your Sunday's best or whatever. Like, I could sit in my pajamas and be on the computer and like fellowship with like believers. And I've loved (laughs) Sabbaths home. Okay. This last question before we go further into your story, what was the comparison like in the, I don't know how to say either the religion game or the spiritual game or the, your, your, your relationship with God was there and it sounds like there probably was comparison. Oh, 100%. What, what was it was part like? of my life, so it was compared. <laughs> um, yeah, so like my sister, um, Lauren, has always, she and my mom both have always been really in tune with the Holy Spirit, and they can hear God talking to them. And so there have been times where I feel like I could maybe hear, like God told me, going to Andrews, I just felt... I'm supposed to go there. Going to Indiana Academy my junior year, my parents are like, so what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to go here. And they're like, okay, you're going to go there. Hmm. Um, So I never felt like super, super in tune with the Holy Spirit like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I would... I would kind of compare myself in that way. Like, oh, well, Lauren's a lot more tight with God than me. Like, her relationship's better. Um. But then like this thing of like, I'm really involved in church, like I'm part of a praise team or I help teach Sabbath school. Like, at least this is a front that people will see that I'm okay. Hmm. Like I'm still active in the church when maybe some of my friends or classmates aren't really Um, like it was just kind of like everyone needs to see that I'm still like, I'm still a good person and I still do these things. Sometimes I'll like read my Bible or have devotionals and I would try, like, I need to get up. I need to journal. I need to read my Bible. I need to do these things Hmm. because that's how I get close with God. And I can feel a difference when I'm close with God. Like I worked at a dental office and like I had been waking up every morning at five o'clock, like having devotionals. And then this girl in, in my office, like had this experience with her, boyfriend and they were splitting up and 
it was ugly. And I was like, the only success you can have in any relationship is if you have God in it. And I was shocked that I felt so open to like share God in my workplace. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that was, that was a high point because I was doing all these things. So I was close with God at that point. Mm-hmm. Same with my junior year in Academy. I went to this Academy and I didn't have any friends. And so I just, and Johnny and I had been broken up. I was all alone. And I just like, leaned into God hard. Mm-hmm. And up until recently, like I've always said, junior year was like a mountaintop peak of my spiritual life. Like I was depending on God. He was my rock and he's all that mattered. And then I went back to Maplewood my senior year, 100% selfish. Hmm. Like I can be whoever I want to be now. I've been gone for a year. I can come back and I can... Like I started hanging out with the skater crowd because I kind of liked the bad boy a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so I was wanting to hang out with them. And so I pushed the boundaries. I pierced my belly button, which was like everyone in my family thought, Alyssa's the rebellious (laughs) one. She pierced her belly button. And like, um, I don't know. I just wanted to be whoever I wanted to be, but had felt stuck before because I grew up there and everyone knew me, but I left for a year. So I came back and I was like this new person and I mm-hmm. hung out with a whole different crowd. And my friends from before were like, eh, <laughs> we don't really like you anymore, except for Esther. She stuck through it, but yeah. So, so then as you're married to a guy who um, has a lot of just, it's like a crazy walk with the Lord. Uh, and then even when you're doing the podcast that you did for a few years, like what was the comparison? Like, was that difficult or was that just? So, uh, yeah, I've always been surrounded by spiritual rocks. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're just like really smart. Johnny's like a scholar, like he loves to read and learn and like dive deep into scripture. And he's a great, like spiritual gift of teaching. He'll just explain things that he's like studied where I could read it and be like, whatever, I don't know. And he just like explains all these connections and everything. It's so cool. My mom has always been like super um, just in tune with following God and the Holy Spirit. Same with Lauren. My dad, like then Tyler's getting up and didn't know his story until he called and told me, but he seemed like he was doing great too. Um, so I've always just felt like I know God loves me. So sometimes I feel it heavier than others. Um, you know, a good song will get me crying and I'm like, Oh, this is so good. Um, but I'm like the wingman. Hmm. Like, even as we're setting up these Bible studies, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm the moderator. <laughs> I'll do like the the feel the crowd check um, and they'll teach because they're wiser. Hmm. And I'm just kind of like the ongoing joke of our podcast was like basically we'd pick a topic. Lauren would read up and study on it because she's an avid reader. Mm-hmm. I read children's books at nap time. (laughs) And so the joke was like, she would say, Oh, have you read this book? And I'm like, no, (laughs) because I don't read books. And so like almost every podcast, I'm like, I don't read books. And so I would just, it was basically like Lauren giving me the cliff notes of this topic. And then we'd kind of talk it out. And so, um, this summer, 
Lauren came over one time and I don't even know what we're, she came over cause she was having a hard time with something and we were praying truth over it. And, um, we were ended up talking and praying through, I don't even know what brought it up, but spirit revealed to me that, um, I think I'm stupid. And mm. so I like would cover it up with jokes or, um, depending on the crowd, I would use information that Lauren or Johnny or my mom or other sources, Dan Moeller had taught me. And I would regurgitate what I'd heard. Um, and so some, some crowds thought I was wiser, but in actuality, I just get all my stuff secondhand. Like I don't actually learn it for myself. I just Hmm. hear stuff and spit it out. And so the boys were playing outside and Lauren and I were praying over this and she's like, what does spirit tell you? And I was, I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm dumb. And she's like, it, are you? And I was like, um, <laughs> no, she's like, no, you're not. And so we just kind of prayed through that and God revealed to me like my value, not just as like a body or a helper, which are, are spiritual gifts that I feel like I have is like, I'm, I'm a servant. Like I love making things easier for people. Like if I see them having a hard time, I want to work and help them. Like help me, let me alleviate some of this for you. That's my thing. Like I'm a wingman. I don't have a brain to think for myself, but I have a body to work. And so Lauren's like, yeah, we just were able to kind of uncover that and speak truth over it and my value not just as a worker but like god in my heart and in my mind mercy that lie is just i just think of the enemy and you wouldn't think that that lie would be able to work (laughs) you know you're dumb that's the but we believe these things and we compare ourselves and start navel-gazing, self-centeredness. It's I cannot. Can you stop using that? Navel-gazing. navel-gazing. <laughs> I'm just picturing people like, what? Yeah, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've, de- we've, we've determined what death looked like. That's the first part of the podcast. <laughs> it was ugly <laughs> and it was ugh, exhausting. Before we go into the life... What was the ch- what was the solution before the life? What was the solution? What were you gonna do? Oh, just run ragged. I was living a life without joy, and it was heavy. And I figured once I'll just do this uh, for the next forty, thirty to forty, forty to fifty years if I'm lucky. Yeah, I, th- you know, I always thought like. Once I get the thing, it'll bring me joy. So like our home, like as we finish these renovations, then I'll be happy. Like once I get the whatever, then I'll be happy. Like once my kids grow up and they're easier to parent, then I like, I'm sure the stress will alleviate as time goes on. Like it's got to get better. Something will like, I was just discontent. So, like, if you get the thing, then it'll be better. Hmm. But, and I get a lot of stuff. My my life is very blessed in that, like, my 
I have really generous family. My sister's always like, how do you get so much free stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. They just had it and they didn't want it. So they gave it to me and I got it. She's like, you get stuff all the time. And my life is not hard. So to be so discontent in life that I have, like I have loving family that helps me with my kids. And like anytime Johnny and I got in financial difficulties, we were bailed out. Uh And this is not a hard life. And yet, so to think that like, oh, I'll get the thing and be happy. Like that's a, I mean, it's not, it wasn't going to happen, but it's how my mind thought. Like I'll get it and I'll be happy then. It was the future. The future. So I wasn't hopeless. I had hope, <laughs> but it was built on sand. It was like hope in human effort. My hope is built on wait, <laughs> waiting for this thing to happen. Yep, and maybe if I get enough money in, uh, I don't know. It. Yeah, I wasn't hopeless, but I was helpless. So, um, we're we make a trip up to Minnesota. We'd been gone for about a year, and I'm like, Alyssa, do you know what's going on with your brother? And you were like, nope, do not tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know. And I was like, "Uh, okay. I don't remember that. Oh, you did not want to know at all. And I I was like looking at you like, oh, she's... You're 100%. Like, you did not want to know. You love your brother with your whole heart. Mm -hmm. You knew what was, you knew something was going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Start with there and and kind of move forward into. You know what? what Even like up until Morgan. Uh, and if you guys don't know this story, anybody who's listening, uh, episode one and two you gotta, and maybe like five. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to Tyler, then Morgan, then Tyler and Morgan. That one is so good. <laughs> um, but there was a Christmas. It must have been last like Christmas 2019 to. Okay. Yeah. That Tyler and Morgan came up and they were sharing stuff up until that point. I still thought Tyler was the more innocent of the two like morgan was really hard on him and a little irrational and i was like it doesn't have to be as bad as she's making it did you had you could you did you kind of have some background then um so i like from the get-go of when tyler told me um you know pray for our marriage i did something And Morgan kicked me out or like I did, I am in the wrong. And even in him saying that, like her reaction, I was like, no matter what he did, her reaction's overreacting. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll pray. You messaged her or something? No, I did not reach. I did reach out to Morgan, but I was just, it was just like, sister, I love you. Like, Mm -hmm. cause I really liked Morgan as a person. Mm -hmm. I think her and I wanted them to stay together just because she's a really fun person. And I know Tyler loved her. Mm -hmm. And I know that like he felt really bad about what he did and how like repentant his heart was. I was like, forgive him. Like he's, he's sorry. So move on. (laughs) And so then when I heard like. Well, what was the thing that you did that you or are you about to tell me that, that you said, I did it, I messed up? Oh, he that's what he said to me. Oh, okay. Tyler had like 
Um, I can't tell you what I did, but I did something and like, I really, Morgan's not forgiving me and like, it's bad mm-hmm. and we really need you to pray over our marriage. And so I, I knew in my sister brain thinking like, I didn't know what it was, but I knew like he wouldn't cheat on her. Like he wouldn't go out and like sleep with another woman. Mm-hmm. So no matter what else he did, I thought he like broke her trust in that he told someone something that she thought was private and she got mad about it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, that's nothing to break your marriage up over. Mm -hmm. So I like just really thought that she was overreacting through a lot of things. And even when it came out that like there was a porn involvement, I'm like, yeah, like porn is not good. I know that a lot of men struggle with porn. So is that a reason to get a divorce? Like still in my head? No, like Mm -hmm. this is an overreaction. And then uh, I can't remember what else came out like of things that she was, how she was reacting or whatever. But I was just like, that's too, like, that's dramatic. Like, mm-hmm. just fix it, get over it, like, love each other and yeah. move on. Um, yeah, so I don't know. The I don't know if it's like a protective, but it's just this picture that I've had of Tyler mm-hmm. of him growing up and of him, like, I never knew about all the whatever messages he was sending that my mom got to read. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? That's so awkward. Ooh, that was really unfortunate um and kind of funny like just even listening to his podcast i was like oh yeah so cringy oh but um like it just seemed like a stupid high school college boy thing to do you know right but i didn't know what he was texting these girls but anything you text like you don't want your mom reading that so still in my mind i'm like he loves god he's doing the same facade that i was doing of like he stands up front and he praises like he's involved in church he's speaking like with his music he's got he's good like he and god they're good mm-hmm. so i like couldn't see him even like as he was kind of sugarcoating like or protecting morgan telling mm-hmm. us these things like i can't tell you any details about this but pray for us and i right. was like it's on her because it's my brother and it's not him you're the sister <laughs> that's how you're wired <laughs> even last night when you guys were like clowning on him and like making fun of his hat i was like all right all right <laughs> pipe down <laughs> but yeah anyways um did you what was your question like okay so that's happened you're moving forward oh yeah because that's part that's part of your story so i didn't i didn't i don't remember like saying don't tell me i don't remember oh that. yeah you were like you did not want to know anything at all i and i I've also said, didn't want i didn't want a reason to not like morgan and i didn't want a reason <laughs> um i feel like you know a lot of things about my family that sometimes i don't know like this is a great example because you're tight with tyler and you're like his boy and i'm his sister like he's not going to talk to me the same but um I don't want to hear stuff from you about my family. Yeah, yeah. 
I get that. Like a pride thing. Like they're my people. I've messed up that way before. <laughs> and let's not talk about it. Let's keep going. <laughs> so that, I don't know if that played into my reaction when you asked. Okay. So as you're going through the summer and um, like, just take me to, because like my life is a whirlwind at this point. Obviously my marriage wasn't awesome. <laughs> you knew some of the ins and outs. Maybe you didn't know as detailed of, you know. Of your marriage? Yeah. Um, and I think this hurt your feelings when I said this, but because Natalie, she is my best friend. Like when yeah. you guys were in Hutch, like she, I saw a lot into your <laughs> lives yeah. and I protect my people. And so I like to you as a friend. I'm like, Richard's an awesome friend. He's so fun. Like I love hanging out. He's a terrible husband and I hate how he treats Natalie. That's great. And so I was like, I hate you as a husband for my best friend, but yeah. I like hanging out with you and I think you guys are fun to hang out with. Yeah, I I'm I, I wasn't a good husband. I wanted to be. I know. I know. But so we're going through that and I don't know you I don't know if you've been interacting with Natalie much as we're going this is summer 2019. Mm, not uh, not too much. And then this thing happens in Lincoln at the end of September. Yeah. That was and, after, yeah, so that was after you guys were in Minnesota. Yeah, we came up for something. Just to hang that week. Yeah. Uh, the Hillsong concert and stuff. Oh, yeah. And um, that was, then... Were you, like, starting to comprehend that at that point? Comprehend that I wasn't a good husband. Like, where were you at when you had come out, come up in June or July? Oh yeah, I was all about it, but Natalie wasn't. Oh, I because thought it was later. Okay, no, because January, end of January is when Tyler and I started talking about this. One of the day, one of these days, you're going to get my story on the podcast. But um, Tyler and I had started talking about this stuff in January. Okay, but it wasn't vibing with my wife, and. Um, then this thing happens with her and that's at the end of September. Okay. And we get on a phone call with you. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. <laughs> this is the life part. Um, yeah. So we're like talking <laughs> within like five minutes. You're like, Hey, have you guys talked to, um, Tyler and Morgan? Um, we're like, uh, not. Not really. I mean, not since you asked, like, since Morgan, something happened with Morgan. And we're like, not really. Like, oh, let's call him up. Like, let's get him on this FaceTime call with us. <laughs> and you were like, Tyler said if his name came up, we could we could call him too. So I'm like, if his name came up, you brought him in, like, after, hey, guys, what you doing? Have you uh, talked? So, yeah, you like. I love the story, okay? <laughs> so uh, we called them up and we had um, a group face chat. And um, you guys are just like sharing. I don't even remember. Like, I remember sitting there just very quiet. I didn't really say a whole lot for hours. <laughs> I think it was like at 8.30 p.m. to midnight FaceTime. We time. were on till almost 2 in the morning. Really? Yes. Because <laughs> I remember going to bed that night being like, I'm still awake. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, I usually fell asleep. But, um, yeah, just, like, you guys sharing. Tyler finally able to, like, open up. And still, I didn't – it didn't click with me, like, 
the extent of him just how their stories kind of opened up and overlapped in um what god had done for him and that then how much god had done f- for her as well mm-hmm. um so told it and i'm sitting there like listening and like trying to grapple it and then you sharing your story ooh <clears throat> i'm going to jump in here for one second when we visited you in minnesota I have a vivid memory of sitting in your living room and I'm just like this workout thing that you've got going on, Alyssa. <laughs> and I didn't say it in as many words, but I am not good at hiding what I'm trying to get across. <laughs> I'm like, it's whack. Like what you're doing and how you're living with this whole workout, like it is so whack. And I think you almost got to a point where you are like, and I'm like, how do you make sense of this? And how do you make sense of that? Like, why does this? And I was asking those questions because I knew that you didn't have an answer for it. That's a jerk Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to see it. But I wasn't going to be like, Alyssa, you got to stop. Like, your motivation for working out is so horrible. And so I that was like this vivid memory. Because you, you play stuff pretty close to the vest. But with that workout thing, because we were so involved in each other's lives and we're with each other all the time, mm-hmm. I had been no- I noticed, man, a- her motivation for working out, like it, it's not it. Yeah. And so we were having that conversation, and it ended with a, I don't know, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> I don't know, and we're done talking about this. <laughs> And I can talk to you this way because I love you and you love me and we're cool, but we're done talking about it. That's how I kind of felt that the conversation went. And so then we're like two months later and, um, okay, you're listening to the story. I just butted in. You're listening. You're hearing about Morgan and Tyler, how it intertwines and what's going on with you. So then you're telling your story and I'm listening. And the part that like, I was like, hold up, What? was when Natalie starts sharing. And because I knew parts of your marriage and like how things were up until that point, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden y'all are good. And like she loves and forgives you and you're in the clear and you're a good husband. And that was when I was like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Like... How is that real? And so then that's when I like started being like, this is life changing. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. Whatever if Richard's a good husband, it was because then this must what... be the gospel. It's <laughs> <laughs> so bad, but it's like, yeah, uh, that's what it was because that's where I could relate uh-huh. because I hadn't seen all the pain that Tyler and Morgan had caused each other. And I hadn't seen... I hadn't seen you in a different light because I hadn't seen a change in you. We Mm -hmm. hadn't been around each other, Mm -hmm. but I knew Natalie. Mm -hmm. And when she was able to say these things about you and like notice a change, like she can't lie. She wouldn't sugarcoat it to us. It's not Natalie. And I was like, that's real. And that is something I want to learn more about. And she said something like, 
the lie I was believing was. And she went into her testimony um, to us that night that I like, I didn't really know about. I was like, I didn't know any of this stuff about Natalie, which kind of hurt me because I was like, I felt like we were so tight and I had no clue about the inner workings of her little mind. But um, I didn't know a lot of it. Yeah. And we sleep in the same bed, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's, that was the walls, the intimacy walls were built up pretty high. Yeah. Um, and she was my person. And so I felt like a little hurt by that. Like I didn't, I feel like I could have told her anything. And at the time I thought she was probably, I was probably the closest person mm-hmm. to her at that point, but I had no clue about any of any of it. Um, But in all of that, in what she said, she said, the lie I was believing was this, this, this. And I went to bed that night just thinking, I'm believing a lie. The devil's feeding me a lie, and I want to know more. Like, what is it? I'm not content with my life, and I have no joy, and I want joy so bad. Mm. So... We went to bed that night, like, you guys are like, so how's it landing? Like, what do you think? We and were I'm extra. still like, like, my brain's just like, I'm taking a lot of information in. And Johnny, he said something like, you know, I'm so excited that you guys are getting this. And like, I'm really happy for you. And this is awesome. And God is so good. And not really like sharing in the intense excitement, but mm-hmm. um, like not shooting it down either like right. these are good things um so we go to bed that night and the next morning i have that uh, like another one of those women's ministry things at this um neighboring church that i was going to with lauren and i woke up that morning and before i even opened my eyes uh romans 8 1 just is on repeat in my brain i didn't even know what romans 8 1 was and it was just god saying to me over and over and over. Hey, Wallace, <laughs> this is what you get in a live interview. Yeah. There's a dog wandering around. Um, God said to me, there is no condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation. And so I'm like, I open my eyes and it's just on repeat. There is therefore no condemnation. There is mm-hmm. therefore no condemnation. I get up and go to the bathroom and it, I've heard it about 17 times by the time I walk from my room to the bathroom. And so I like potty text all of you guys and I'm like, I just text, there's no condemnation. And I like, I think I said it like three times Mm. and y'all like responded, let's go. We're so excited. And I was like free from condemnation. And I felt literally light. Like I felt like I'd lost weight overnight. I felt like my body was lighter. My brain was lighter. Like everything, I just had joy. (laughs) I had so, like I woke up happy and I'm getting ready for this thing. Like not getting ready thinking, are they going to look at me a certain way? What is someone going to look like when I walk into this thing? But like getting ready, just going through the motions and having no condemnation over because I have been weighed in the balances. Like I have been looked at and judged and God sees me as good. Hmm. Like I'm enough. 
Oh, it was so good. It is so good. And I love it so much. And so I went to this thing with Lauren and I was like, Lauren, cause I think she'd gotten it. Like she had this understanding and the lie that Satan told me was that I'm, I'm not enough and I'm always going to have to like run this race and try to be, to be better. Like, I don't even know. The lie is just like weighing myself against everybody and everything and what they think of me. When the truth is that God sees me and he never looks at me and says, really? That's what I paid for? I'm out. Hmm. And he looks at me and says, yeah, I love you. I don't care what you've done or where you're going or what your thought is at this very moment, if it's not in alignment with spirit, like I still love you. And so when we started listening to Dan Moeller and just getting like this truth poured over me, because I'm like, what does this look like? Like, what does it look like to live a life that's free of condemnation? Like, I don't care what other people think of me. I don't care. Like if my actions are not like, up to par with what they think I should be doing. If I'm like running with spirit living in me, I'm like, I'm good. Like mm. what others think doesn't matter because there's no condemnation. That was so freeing. Like my life was changed that day. The condemnation. That was. That was the weight. It was so heavy, and it robbed me of all my joy. So, when we got that text, because you, like I said, you play it pretty close to the vest, and we had just hit you with, like, <laughs> five hours of five hours of being, like, too much information, like, where you'd known a lot about us and then you knew like, like when, when people understand this thing, I don't know if it's oversharing because we don't feel like it's oversharing anymore. Cause we're talking about like these dead people that we used to know. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah, man, I was a pretty, pretty bad husband. <laughs> and Natalie's like, yeah, I, I really wanted you to feel awful. <laughs> like I wanted you to own that. And I put that on you. And, mm. And when you're around people that are like open like that, it's kind of strange at first, I'd imagine. Um, and so you're taking that all in and then it's saying this comparison thing is so whack. Yeah. So moving from there, like what, there is what did the belief change? What did it start? What were the chains that just are starting to come off as you're, that's Sabbath morning. And as, a, as you're moving through your life, what are the chains that are falling off and how are they falling off? Like, how is grace showing you these things? It was interesting, like, walking into that huge church full of women where the last time I'd been there, I was measuring them up and mm -hmm. measuring myself. And that Sabbath, I walked in with, like, whole new... I got a new heart and, and new eyeballs because <laughs> I just started seeing people like these are my sisters, like not as comparing, but like I have a heart for people 
in a new way, like not that I don't want them to feel bad, but I want them to know who they are. Mm. I want them to know their value. I want them to have what I have. Like it's too good to keep to yourself. Why would I try to be better than someone when this, the best thing that has ever happened in history of the creation of the world is available to all of us. And we don't even know, like Johnny talks about the fog. Like it's, it's all these lies that just like blind us and we can't even see it. And it's so good. And we like cultural Adventism or even cultural Christianity, like you grow up and my boys sing like Jesus loves me this. I know we sing about Jesus loving us, Mm -hmm. but is it like to live it, to understand it and to understand Christ in me and, and me living in Christ and him living in me. We're one like that understanding is I felt like it was so foreign and so good. And I had to unlearn so much because this goodness just had to take, it had to replace everything. What was some of the first things that you had to unlearn? If you can remember, I mean, behavioral, like you have to do these things. So many, like being one thing that really changed for me is the condemnation of not like reading my Bible and praying every morning. Like if I don't do this, I'm not close to God. And God told me I'm in you. Hmm. Like you can't get close to me or far from me. I'm in you. I'm right here all the time. And if I do something, um, falling down, like doing the one, the recurring one that I'm like, man, this just won't die. Or, I've come to realize like it's dead and it's just crawling back and I don't need to respond is just how I parent. Like my boys are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) They're crazy. Like their energy is really intense and I love organization and order and living with three boys and a husband is not organized or orderly. And it's, it's like against my, my natural tendencies just to like, I want to go home and sit on the couch and like maybe cuddle with one of them. And they like pull my hair and are rolling around and crawling on my shins. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I'll lose it with my kids. And I'm like, I, I failed again. And that's not like falling down, falling out of freedom of condemnation. Like, Oh no, I don't have it anymore. Or I have to work my way back. Like, God is with me in that. And he's like, that's not you. Hmm. That's like, that's the girl that died. Mm -hmm. So you can confess that it's already been forgiven. It's done. Like I paid for that a long time ago. Hmm. And so then that's where like, even in the moment, I don't feel condemned. I feel sad that those patterns are so like deeply, they're almost habitual, but as I've like come more and more in my understanding of who I am, like that's not even just like our talk last night where it's not about me anymore, like about my comfort or about my organization or keeping things peaceful. Like my kids living in our home is not going to be like that. And that's okay. Cause it's not about me. And even in my understanding of truth, my behaviors change and it's just growth from glory to glory. Like I'm learning more understanding um, and it's changing 
you know, my, my mind was changed and my behaviors are starting to follow. It's not a light switch for me though. And it's been really interesting because, um, the summer, I think we were talking about it and I was talking to Johnny and I was like, my behaviors haven't been as quick to follow as what I've seen in other people who've come to the new understanding. And yet I don't feel condemnation. Hmm. And so it's like, it's not like I feel free to sin because I mean, Roman, like, does this mean we can keep going on sinning? Like, of course not. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, I, I know God is forgiving me. I don't want to continue to do these things. It's not like I'm going out looking for it. But when I lose my temper, I don't feel shame and condemnation from my father. And so I was talking to Johnny because I'm like, it's interesting to me that like it's taking more time for my behaviors to follow. And yet God is so, and I think that he's, it may be happening because of how I parent. I'm like, how many times do I have to tell you? Like patience is a huge, hmm. huge thing. And God's patience with me through it. Like it's not a light switch. Cause then would I expect a light switch from my kids? Like um, just how he's fathering me is teaching me patience and how I parent my boys. But think about this. The whole first part of this podcast, the big problem was comparison. Mm -hmm. And now it's just like he settled that. Yeah. Because you were like, it doesn't seem like maybe my behavior is, you know, going as quick as other people's behaviors. And there was this chance for you to go deep into that yeah. and now have your freedom, like have the enemy speak lies over your freedom. Hmm. Like, Ever since understanding that I'm free from sin, have I made a mistake? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Ever since you understand you're free from this comparison, have you compared? Probably. But the difference is, like, you know that it's a lie. Mm -hmm. You know that it's the truth. Like, you know what's true. And so you just, like, you're on the victory lap and you're like, oh, it comes back to, yes, this is a victory lap. I have fallen down during my victory lap, but the race is already over. Hmm. The, the race is still over. Mm -hmm. Like, we're still going to the platform as on the gold. We get gold. And um, I'm not going to let that lie tell me I'm not getting gold. Hmm. Yep. Because, But I think that's huge because that was your thing. Yeah. Your whole life is this thing. And yeah, the enemy knows that that can be a temptation. And so even while we're walking in freedom, he's going to try to, you know, he knows he wants it to convince us it's not the victory lap. Mm -hmm. He wants us to convince us that we're still playing the game. And if you think about that, like we're on this victory lap or let's say like... <laughs> Only someone who went to an academy will understand this <laughs> reference. Someone, when it's Saturday night and there's a basketball game and the JV plays first and then the girls play and then the varsity game plays and it's late and the game is over 
and they're the boys from the dorm and they're still trying to play on the hoops while everyone's trying to close it down. That's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We're trying to win the game on these hoops. The game is long over and it's time to go back to the dorm. The enemy's convincing us that that, that's the real deal. Hmm. Like, and we're playing really hard and, and we're beating ourselves up because we didn't make a shot and we're beating ourselves up over here and we're beating and the, the game is over and we, and we won and it wasn't close <laughs> and God, Jesus has made his enemies, his footstool. Mm-hmm. It's over. And praise the Lord, you're not going back trying to play this game. I don't know why anyone would want to go back. <laughs> it was so bad. And the good is so good. Uh, and they don't believe that it's so, it can't be that good. It's offensive how good it is. It's crazy how good it is. Like, it's inexplicable. Like, you can't explain it. And any words fall short. Like, even as I'm saying, like, good news seems like such a lame name for the gospel <laughs> because it's so much better than just good news. Wow. So as we're wrapping this thing up, as you're, how have you seen this, this truth that you're now living in? How has it manifested itself in your, in your, your life at home, your marriage, your kids? I think the thing that's changed the most in maybe not in my home life, but in my spiritual life is how I pray. That was something that I had to unlearn, like, please be with this person or please forgive me for help me with Uh all those things have just changed to thank you that I have this. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Mm -hmm. Thank you that I'm a good tree bearing good fruit. And so all those fruits of the spirit are in me because Uh you're in me. That has changed the most. So as like I dance in the kitchen with my kids, I tickle them and I laugh and there's joy in our home where before it was like, be quiet, don't touch me because, you know, hmm. you're blowing up my spot. You're wrecking my, <laughs> you're wrecking my. This is not a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Read the room. Uh, <laughs> read the room, Linky Poo. <laughs> Linky J, read the Linky room. Linky uh, But now it's just like. I love, I love, love, <laughs> and I'm full of it. And so um, there is, like, my boys call each other names, <laughs> real, real bad ones, like jerk oh. and meanie. Oh. <laughs> Clutching my pearls. And I've told them, you can't say anything about your brother that Jesus doesn't say about him. Hmm. And so yesterday, someone called someone a name. And I said, what does God say about him? And Lawson laid back and he's like, he tells me I'm a son. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's right. (laughs) So you can't say anything else. And he's like, yep. And just like hearing from the mouth of babes, like this truth. (laughs) Uh, I heard um, at one point we were kind of disciplining him for something and Tyler was there and I, we were, were you there? It was this summer. Anyways, we were sitting around the living room. And yeah, because it was after like I was understanding all of this. And um, I asked Lawson, like, I think someone was being mean to him. And I was like, well, what does God say about you? And he was like, that I'm a son. 
And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, he loves me. And I was like, so how does he see you? And he's like, same way he sees Jesus. Perfect. And I just started crying. (laughs) I was like, he's five years old and he gets this. And I'm like, praise God. Like I had to wait till I was 34 (laughs) to understand this. How sweet if we can raise our children to know who they are. And they won't have to like, I mean, there's struggles in life, but goodness, to know this truth and to be able to live with this understanding, it's so, so sweet. So to the moms that are in that thing where their life, they got first world problems, right? Their life is good. Hmm. They've got their homeowners. They've got good jobs. The finances is not a problem, but there is no joy. There is comparison. And when they realize that they're not happy, they get even angrier at themselves because they're like, oh, I'm selfish. Mm -hmm. Like, I've got all this and I'm still not happy. What is your message? Like, what do you want to tell them? Like, if they're listening to this right now, what's your message to them? So what you just said now, like, and that happened to me, looking at myself and just thinking, I am selfish. I'm a bad mom. I'm impatient and saying what I say to my boys, that's a lie. What does God say about you? Mm. And I've talked to multiple friends about this. Like, what is the lie that you're believing? And just wording that question in the way that Natalie did that night, like made me think like, what is the lie that I'm believing? Because we all have lies that the devil is feeding us, like catered to us. Mm. And when we can identify the lie, the truth is the opposite, mm. and it's going to be good, and mm-hmm. it's what God says about us. We are perfect and blameless and without reproach. There's therefore no condemnation. Like when your father looks at you, if you had a good dad or a bad dad, he's way better than whatever you had on this earth. Don't compare him to your father. Mm. He looks at you and he loves you. And it's so, so good, no matter how you fall or you think like you turn from him and run away, he's like, you can turn around and he's right there. Like you can't get away because he loves you so, so, so much. We want to be wanted. He's wanted us from the beginning. He paid the ultimate price to have us. And no matter what we do, he'll never regret paying that price. Like it was worth it. You pay we had the boys at the store and Lawson was spending all of his $4 allowance on a chintzy toy. And Liam's like, don't buy that toy. It's not worth $4. And he's like, but I want it. And he's spending all his money. And Liam's like, it's going to break before you get home. Like, don't buy that toy. And he's like, but I want it. And I said, if he's willing to pay the price for that, it's worth that much. Hmm. And God was willing to Send his perfect son from heaven for me, Hmm. for you, for any mom that's like on the struggle bus out there. It was worth it. Hmm. Every minute, every lashing, every nail, like every second of it was worth it because Hmm. he pursued us. He wants us so much. Like that's all he wants. What makes him happy? You. Mercy. It's just like Lawson said, you're you're his kid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm son. I'm daughter. I'm his girl. Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're the you're the podcast veteran of all the podcast veterans. Well, Lauren. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> we're not you've comparing done, You've done like a million episodes. Oh, yeah. Hey, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love your story. I love, uh, I love the, just the joy and the freedom that you have. Um, I know you. You're you're different. <laughs> hey, I know you. <laughs> you're different now. I like so. that shirt. That uh, you know. So are we sure that you have? It says <laughs> you are not who you were before. That's right. It's so good. Love you, Alyssa. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Love you, brother. Stay alive, hey, stay alive, hey. Mm-hmm.